This is Live Booleans, where Costa and Alex chat about, well, game dev things. Video games, dev culture, tech, game design, events, and all the other stuff they love to nerd out on. So thanks for tuning in. John Ostman, Dakota Sove. I want to say, yeah, I always want to say Swab. Awesome. Nice you can call me Swab, but there's no way in hell that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Dakota Swab. Swab is your stage name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Coda Suave is like my producer alias and then just Dakota Sauvé, which, you know, it's got the little French accent mark on the E, but, you know, fancy. Mm, very cool. A little so, fancy. Fancy. So today you are Dakota... <laughs> Try it again. Go on. Sauvé. Sauvé, yeah, yeah. Sauvé. Awesome. I literally have it written down here, like, <laughs> so space vague. I see it on the back of your hand, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. Um... Yeah, welcome guys. Good to have you on. Welcome to Live Bullions. Cheers. Straight Alex, from good thanks. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so this is, you know, an episode I've wanted to do for a long time now. You guys have been friends of the podcast and friends of friends of myself. I don't know how I say that. <laughs> friends of myself <laughs> for, of for a while now. Well. <laughs> friends yes. of each other. Friends of the community, of the Adelaide community. Um and uh, listeners would probably recognize Dakota's voice. He's the uh, intro to this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, Dakota, can you do it right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> this is live booleans. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do the music bit, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's... <laughs> no, that's awesome. That was actually how you and I... Um, Met uh, Dakota. Um, you sent us a message out of the blue. It was just like, hey, we've been listening and thought you guys could use this. And we were actually hoping for something like that. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, Costa was using some free market sort of coin sound and a, a drum sound. And yeah, that was aw- awesome. How did, how, did, uh, how did you find out about the podcast and everything? Uh, I was relatively new at the time to the AGD Discord. So I think I was just kind of perusing around and I had seen your name pop up a few times and I think you posted the podcast and I was like, oh, that's sweet. And I had to listen to the first few episodes and I realized that you didn't have an intro and like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I guess one of the little gimmicky things that I've always enjoyed personally about podcasts is you have that little like audio snippet at the beginning that you can sort of associate it with. Um, Mm. So yeah, I've always, I've always liked that. And I'm like, ah, you know, Got a couple hours, I'll just throw one together and see if they'll like it. And of course, you got to go like the little chip tuny sort of coin effects and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was, it was awesome and it fit us perfectly. And now that we've been, um, chucking the episodes up on YouTube, we're gonna, we're gonna need some more like interlude stuff and from yourself and even John, even like was saying both you guys together would be. Not yeah. some little representation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we should have a band, uh, Dakota, called Coda yes. Suave. <laughs> Dakota Suave. Just, just the band is just Coda Suave. <laughs> Jesus. Featuring. My ego's not that big, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Dakota Suave featuring the Suavettes. <laughs> I, I'm the Suavette. You're the just Suave. the Suavette. <laughs> the Alex, Suave. you can be the other Suavette. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, so, yeah, you're, yeah, as you're saying, you're, like, relatively new to the Adelaide community, but you fit like right in, like you got in there, um, real, real quick. And like, you started off as a sound composer and now you've like, you're playing around with, um, Unreal Engine and starting to develop your own game. And yeah. how, how are you finding it? Like just jumping straight in? Well, 
I think it kind of stemmed from, so I've, I've been producing for about three years, but I guess the thing that kind of led me to start taking up game development as a whole is I, I just, I got tired of relying on other people for things. And I know that sounds a bit weird, but I, I like to be a bit self-sufficient. And I thought what better way to kind of get my sounds out there and my audio and um, music in general if I were to make my own game, that's perfect because then, you know, I can cut out the middleman and just kind of put my own stuff in there and make my own sound effects and music and everything. Um, yeah, long way to go, but I've got the basics down. I have like the shell of a game, I guess you can say like minimum viable product. It's a basic 3D platformer, but you know, art direction is really cool. Alfredo Baghetto actually did it for us. He, he's awesome. He's a legend. Love Fred. Um, studied with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's done a really good job on the art direction and everything. We just kind of built basic platforms. I did all the coding and everything using Unreal Blueprints, which has been handy because I don't really like text and line coding. I'm a bit <laughs> of a tech geek, but I, I actually gave up computer engineering because I just I didn't want to just look at ones and zeros and like text all the time. So yeah, visual blueprint scripting is just awesome. That was a lifesaver. Yeah, you took to it like a what's the expression like a duck to water really like <laughs> from the first time i met you i don't know if you were playing around with it i think you were telling me you were interested in looking into it and if we knew anyone and stuff like that and then like if uh people go on your instagram um side note what's your instagram handle we'll check oh, it it's uh at coda suave k-o-d-a-s-u-a-v-e yeah and, <laughs> and you will not be disappointed if you check it out like the what do you call it the sound do you call it a soundscape if you're looking at it? Uh, I, I guess so. I mean, it, you could call it a soundtrack, soundscape, just audio, whatever you want. Yeah, it's it just... amazing stuff. And the and the rate you pump them out at, like um, the scheduling, like I'll wake up in the morning and there'll be a new post from you on Instagram. It'll be like some <laughs> ethereal landscape thing and it's just awesome. Thanks. Appreciate that. How did um, like uh, – was so that was the intention to – like, was that your foot into Unreal Engine was to start making these soundscapes? Like, because it reacts to the sound, doesn't it, the environment? It doesn't react to the sound, but what I do is oftentimes I'll compose to the visual mm. or I will sort of, I'll do the opposite as well. So sometimes I'll have like a landscape or like a sequence in Unreal Engine that's already recorded. And I'm like, oh, I have this song backlog from like two years ago that actually suits it really well. I'll use that. I might fluff it up a bit or do whatever. But yeah, I suppose the idea behind getting into it as a whole was just... I didn't want to hold my music back from getting out there. And a lot of people seem, and it's not a dig at everyone else because my attention span is like nil, but we all have such short attention spans that like you need color and movement and everything to even just listen to music now. And it's um like music industry wide. It's just people are like basically DJs are out and now VJs are in. So mm. like you actually have to have all these crazy visuals and stuff like dead mouse and everything. Um, yeah. so yeah, I just thought oh, I'll give it a crack and it. Yeah. I guess it's just sort of gone from there. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely one thing I found with social media, uh, marketing these days. So if you're trying to market on like Twitter or Facebook or even more so Instagram, like you need visuals there for people to actually take notice when they're scrolling through their feeds. Yeah. And so, um, and one of the other hard things I found is like, cause I used to do music, put it on, in, on YouTube and then share like the YouTube link on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever, but then it doesn't do the whole autoplay thing. So, uh, like Dakota saying, you need the kind of movement. So you create your little clip then put it straight, embed it straight into Twitter, straight into Facebook or whatever, all this just cause you want someone to listen to your music. 
Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a bit backwards, but I mean, it, it, it seems to do the trick. Like, everyone likes pretty things. Let's be honest. We're yeah. geared that way. I actually, yeah. random side note, but I read this thing the other day that we as humans are naturally attracted to symmetrical things. So mm. I guess take that with a grain of salt. But if you've got, I guess, a droopy face, they might not think you're as hot. Yeah. I, I don't know. But <laughs> yeah. It's, no, um, I have heard that because they, re- so, they reckon the, huh? Well, what do you say? Your tips for being a successful musician is have a symmetrical face. <laughs> Get Botox immediately. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Dead Mouse does it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Just manufacture so. a face. No, but I mean, it goes for art in general as well. So yeah. like, um, I guess if we were to relay it onto the visuals, I do try to keep things symmetrical where possible, but I guess... It, it's not always at the forefront. It just sort of works out that way. Um, mm. Yeah, but yeah, there we're we're a picky bunch humans because um, you're definitely right. I've heard that about the symmetrical. Like they reckon all the the top models they have the symmetrical faces. But then in art school, you're like, oh no, you, uh, you need to do things that break things up, like visual interest. Like you know, in a video game, if it's split down the middle, perfectly symmetrical, it looks like. You're like, oh, something's creeping me out here, man. Like, <laughs> especially if they have the same line, like the old PS2 style games where they just mirror the textures. It, it starts looking artificial. You know what's interesting is this actually reminds me of um, in music when you're producing and doing sound design and stuff like that. This is something I read is how basically um, electronic musicians will do everything they can to make their like pure synths try and sound more organic by introducing mm. like little uh, corruptions to it. Whereas live recording musicians will do everything they can to try and make their sound, their music sound less imperfect. And so everyone's kind of striving for that middle line of slight imperfection. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's strange. Hmm. I mean, when you think of it, lo-fi hip-hop was sort of born out of that, right? Like, let's take this amazing, all these instrumentation that we have available to us that's like, it sounds super real yeah. and then let's just destroy it like let's make yeah. it sound like it's from the 40s yeah. or <laughs> 50s and yeah it's yeah. a bit strange well because well, a lot of the lo-fi uh, hip-hop uh is inspired by jay diller's music i think it is from the late mm-hmm. 90s um oh. and his whole thing was i think he was one of the first hip-hop artists that would use the hip-hop beat on uh, electronic drum machines but he would slightly offset the beat so it wasn't that perfect like 4-4 four, four kind of thing. Yeah, swing on the drums, make them super lazy. Yeah, totally, totally. That's pretty but good that you... Yeah, go I was, on. Oh, sorry, I was just saying, that's pretty good that you can pinpoint who probably came up with that. Because like... Oh, look, I saw a YouTube documentary by... Uh, <laughs> a sound, sound field done by... I'll say it... I'll get it wrong. So, um, yeah. Look up Soundfield on YouTube. It's a really yeah. good uh, mini uh, music series. About music What's the... So, what is the music community like? Like, I mean, I know you guys, uh, you have a focus on video game music, but I'm sure, you know, you'll cross paths with film music and, and stuff like that. Like, you hear about, like, other community, creative communities in the last, mm, I don't know what, like 10 years, let's say, um, are much more open and inviting than what they used to be. Um, you know, a cynic might say it's because of social media, you got more accountability, you can't rip people off. Um, if you're a dick to people, it's going to get out a lot faster. What's the, what is the music community like? Like, is it easy to track down an original source? Um, can you, do you feel comfortable like messaging other composers saying like, how did you do this sort of thing? What do you think, John? um yeah that's a big question because it really depends on the sub community you're in i reckon like i'm i'm not super connected to it's it's hard to say i'm part of a 
music community because you know hard style music scene hardcore rock is totally different to electronic scene which is totally different mm. to video game scene which is connected to but still different to film composition and which is then different again to classical composition and these are all mini subcultures for themselves um at least that's been my experience here in adelaide um they're definitely connected and you have kind of people friends between them and cross paths and stuff like that um but there's generally like being in video game audio i mainly meet people in video game audio um people i know who are in the classical scene i know from when i uh, did uni uh doing some composition there but i don't meet them these days so much Mm. um is that kind of what you're asking about sort of yeah and like um like how connected is it like uh like does it feel like you you could like could you message a composer that you never met before you just heard and be like, I'm another composer? Um, uh, that really depends on the composer. So, yeah. I mean, in my experience, I was fortunate uh, late last year, I think it was, I, I've been like Facebook friends with this uh, drum and bass producer called uh, Vosby from Russia, who I grew up listening to his music. He's not like super big or whatever, but he kind of had music in the old uh, Dance Dance Revolution bootleg games like Step oh, really? and stuff what like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is super big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's bigger than the actual uh, game. I used to love his music. And um, anyway, added him on Facebook years and years ago. Never really made the connection, but um, then just like once my music started kind of, I, I was doing more and I was posting more. Um, he actually commented on one of my things and it was just this insane like kind of meeting your idol kind of moment. Um, and we ended up just chatting over Messenger and stuff like that. And um so he was super friendly and we've had a few chats since. Um, then there's other musicians um, that I'll message and not get a response from. Um, yeah. Really comes yeah. down to the person more than the yeah. actual community. If that makes Have sense. you found it, Dakota? Honestly, I feel the exact same way. Um, there's been some really, really good and open people that are like keen to have a coffee and just chat, nerd out about like, you know, music stuff in general. John is on that list as well. I reached out mm. to him and then we ended up coordinating uh, yeah. coffee, which is pretty cool. Um, and that was very much early days when I started getting involved in the AGD. Um, in terms of just general music, um, I, I can only really go based off in- Instagram. Um, like I've been connecting with a few local artists and a lot of them are just really, really easy to talk to and like they'll reach out and vice versa, have a chat. Um, but I can't really recall any that we've, you know, made it a point to catch up or anything, but yeah, I mean, it really does come down to the person. When, um, when you both, uh, got into like music, was it for the intent of video games or, were you, um, I guess I'll start with you, John, like, was your intent to start with video games? Did you just want to get into music? Were you looking at film music? Um, yeah, because so- you you went real quick, like, a like because we had you work on, have you work on uh, Rooftop Renegade. Um, and, you know, the you integrated into that project really fast, like having to use a new software and stuff like that, stuff that I wouldn't think traditionally a musician would be comfortable doing, like the whole programming side of it um so yeah how'd you get started yeah so um i guess there's two parts to that uh firstly yeah i've been doing music as a hobby for like 10 years or something like that so pretty much uh when i did high school um i decided not to do music i thought i'd never get into it (laughs) and then pretty much year 12 i started getting into it um started using 
FL Studio, I think it was back in the day. Um, I was into electronic music. Like I said, Vosby was one of the guys I was really into back then. Um, but I was also really into games and just getting out of high school, I actually started studying uh, video games at university. Um, and I ended up, so I wanted to make games originally. Um, and there's a long winded story, but I ended up finishing a, another degree in multimedia um, and trying to make several of my own games, but it's just, unless you're someone like Toby Fox, it's just too much work for one person. Uh, <laughs> unless you're willing to like lock yourself away for two years. Uh, <laughs> um, and so over the years, I kept doing music as a hobby um, and I kept coming back to it. Um, and then I think one day I was kind of realized that, okay, I've tried making games myself and it's not working for me, uh, but I could specialize in one of the aspects of making games and which one would it be? And music was the one. At that point, it was still kind of, I wasn't doing it professionally, um, but I had actually started another business um, doing some kind of personal life coaching stuff um, and just happened to get a start working in a share office here in Adelaide uh, over at CDW, uh, Concept Design Workshop Studios, which is where they train up concept artists for film and for video games. And so I was suddenly surrounded by all these people going into the games industry and it kind of just reignited that uh, passion for me. Mm. Um, and then I'm pretty sure, you know, it was the uh, Global Game Jam happened last January, I think it was. Oh, um, the one before, 2019. Because I think that's where I met you. Yeah, yeah, that would have been. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's two years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah time goes fast um yeah so i did that with some friends i met there through the office um and that kind of helped me meet a few people and then 2020 sorry it was 2020 it was 2020 my bad, <laughs> yeah. my bad. it's been a rough few years I don't like <laughs> um anyway and so yeah just met more more people and then um i think you guys were organizing the the game developer unwinds and i popped into one um met a few people popped into the second one I remember I was like, the friend I was meant to go with bailed at the last second and I was like, oh no, I'm not going to go. And I'm like, nah, nah, I'll push myself to go. Yeah, <laughs> and good. that's actually when I met you guys <laughs> and yeah. I just happened to have like the music I'd made for the game jam and a few other things I was doing on the side. Um, I had just started teaching myself FMOD, the program you're talking about, mm. um, the middleware to try and get a bit more competitive and it was just like right time, right place, all that kind of thing. So... Yeah, there's a whole lot of luck there. To be it was real good timing, yeah. wasn't it? Because that was the last yeah. unwind before lockdowns and then we didn't have yeah. one for a year. Yeah, um, that's right. And I remember we were looking for a composer at the time and um, uh, yeah, we just started talking to you and I remember, I, I think I said to you on the day, I was like, you remind me a lot of uh, Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. <laughs> So And I was just on a Walking Dead binge. So I was just like, ah, I feel like I already know this guy. I've watched him for like 10 years. I like, oh, <laughs> wait, wait, I haven't watched all of Walking Dead. What happens to Rick Grimes? Just say, Carl! <laughs> Carl! <laughs> he, uh, he, uh, redacted. I can't, I can't. I mean, it's spoilers if, uh, if you haven't watched right, it. So so what's your advice so far? If you if you want to get work in music, have a symmetrical face and look like someone from a zombie TV show. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> Particularly Rick Grimes. If yes. um if someone that looked like Eugene from The Walking Dead tried to do our music, nah, I'm joking. He, he'd be he'd be welcome. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Okay. How about you, Dakota? So you said you'd um, only been doing it for three years, but were you doing it as a hobby before then? Like, what do you count yeah. as the start three years ago? Uh, so I guess I've always kind of been a musician. Like I did, I played for release in a talent show in like third grade. And I completely forgot how to play keys after that. <laughs> like I had one of those light up keyboards that you could just basically follow the notes and it would teach you how to play. So that was sort of the extent of my music career there. And then I um, joined a band when I was about 14 and it was like a heavy metal band. So like I'm talking demon screams on one side and then super high pitch singing, which was me on the other side. Um, learned acoustic guitar and kind of did that. So I guess I've been playing music my whole life, but I really got serious about production uh, three years ago. So I took a course down at Adelaide Audio Institute, which I highly recommend. Um, it's sort of like a one-on-one -on -one mentorship that I've been continuing for the last three years as well with Ant. Um, really, really good. Um, honestly, I think taking the classical or traditional method of like just going through a course you definitely do get the music theory elements, but I feel like it, it could sort of limit. Look, I haven't done it, so I guess it would be a bit unfair for me to say. But I think, you know, if anyone kind of forces you down a, a direction or a path, it, it does sort of limit you to an extent. But you do also get all the um, stuff that's been passed down generation to generation. I mean, look, music is there as an art form. Like to me, it's meant to be kind of warped and stretched and, you know, push the envelope. But of course it's built on key principles. Like you wouldn't play a song in seven different keys mm. all at once. It would just sound like trash. Um, that's just how it is. I mean, jazz artists will probably, <laughs> <laughs> they will probably argue that and I will get canceled for that, but that's okay. <laughs> canceled by the jazz community. <laughs> Put that this on my YouTube clip. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I guess three years ago after that course, I really just kept going down the path of production and sound design in general. But I suppose I really got serious about game audio a year ago. So I'm relatively new to it, but I've always sort of, I've always been a massive fan of VGM in general, like um, Benjo Kazooie, Grant Kirkhope. I'm still fangirling at the fact that you guys had him on here. That's just yeah. madness. Um, yeah, like between him and the composer, which is slipping my mind for like Snowboard Kids, N64, over the top, ridiculous chip tune stuff, but like just classic. They just always listening to that music and still to this day, like I will just pop it on in the background. It's, you know, like Grant Kirkhope's style in composing is really fun, playful, erratic, and upbeat. It's really hard to focus with that music, but I think I've trained myself by just listening to his albums like that many times that it's <laughs> sort of like my lo-fi hip hop in the background when I'm studying. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess over the last year, I've really, um, kicked it up a notch with the games production, but you know, I kind of started between two and three years ago for that, but producing in general, like making beats and recording music in general, I'd say three years. And, um, you, you brought up a good thing before and, uh, I think, and John, you brought it up as well, but from the other side, um, mentors, which is someone summed it up perfectly to me yesterday, yesterday, last week when I was talking to them about, how I'm really after a mentor and it's, what was it? It's a mentor has the answer to the questions that you don't even know yet. Yeah. How, how important have, has a mentor been to you guys? Um, Kodak, cause you said you had one with the, um, the school you were at and, and John, yeah. you've got some experience with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
mentors, I, I've had a number of mentors in my life, informal mentors, and they're usually uh, my boss at the workplace I was working at. Um, to be honest, I don't think I've had a musical mentor specifically. Um, but YouTube, I mean, look, when I, when I studied composition at uni, I was there for six months and I mean, we had mentoring on our pieces that we were doing there and that was very helpful. Uh, that was from a classical standpoint, but you know, so one of the things that, um, my mentor taught me was about using the full register of the keyboard as in, um, it's easy when you're making a melody or something like that to stay within the little range and if you're going to repeat it throughout a song um, one really easy trick is to repeat it the second time an octave up or higher frequencies up or like uh, lower frequencies down and then stuff like that just really helps uh, create more uh, intrigue I guess in a song um, which is something that you know I may have found myself after two years of experimentation but you know, he just told me there and then. So, mm, and that's the strength of the mentor is, um, because like with uh, YouTube, because you know, I do, I do the same for like programming or something like that. But YouTube's only going to solve the problem that you know you have. Like, if you're like, ah, oh, I need to know how to do this or something, it'll go here you go. But a mentor will be like, okay, this is how you would solve it. However, I recommend you don't do that because I did that ten years ago or five years ago or something. Yeah, and I yeah. also found it helpful. Um, Sometimes, depending on the mentor, sometimes you have these kind of irrational fears as well and they can help disarm. So, um, so mine at uni was uh, Professor Charles Bodman, Bodman Ray, I think is how you say his name. Um, and uh, I remember this when, when I got into composition, because my kind of self-taught experience is more electronic, a lot of what I was writing I thought was very repetitive. And... So I would write a piece for class and then I would tell him how I'm worried it's repetitive and he would say, oh, no, don't worry about that. In, in classical, they just call it an ostinato. An <laughs> You've ostinato. just got a term for it. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> yes. it's fine. <laughs> and um, there was another time where I was writing a piece and a couple of my notes clashed and I was showing someone and they're like, oh, that's a little bit dissonant. Uh, it doesn't sound great. And so I showed him and I was like getting feedback and I'm like, yeah, I want to change these notes because it's a little bit dissonant. It's like... Ah, you should never be scared of a little bit of dissonance. <laughs> what's what's dissonance? Dissonance is uh, okay, Dakota. How do we explain this without musical terms? I'd, I'd say it's basically uh, it's it's almost a darkness in music, but it's basically notes that don't play well together. Um, mm. They create like sort of uh, like when you think of horror film soundscapes um they're usually not in key and if they are it's like d d sharp minor or something like really dark yeah. and gritty but um if you play all the notes so like if you were to play all the black notes on a keyboard they're gonna sound nice because then it's in key if you play all the white notes on a keyboard they're in key if you play basically the first 10 notes of a keyboard they're gonna sound a bit strange because they're they're not technically in key. So I guess dissonance is sort of, it can either be intentional or non-intentional out of key playing or just like a dark vibe added to a song if you want to call it intentional, but yeah. It's, yeah. it's creepy jazz. Cre creepy jazz, yeah. yeah, more or less. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I just, just have to point out uh, to any jazz people, <laughs> like I, <laughs> You're get a I think most today. of us here actually love a lot of jazz music and this oh, yeah. very cool stuff that happens. So we're yeah, not having yeah. a go. <laughs> Just, but they're used to it by now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> We're just jealous, to be honest. Pretty much. Yeah. You want to know your ways. Exactly. Yeah. 
Jazz is like a black magic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with chords with letters longer than my last name and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think I actually remember watching a video about that on um, Ocarina of Time, breaking down Ganon's castle sort of music about certain progressions they would do and notes that are played right next to each other that, that do that exact same thing with the chord name of there isn't a, a nice chord name for it. So it was like a D augmented, sharp augmented, yeah, yeah, all that kind of weird stuff. Um, yeah, it's great. Sorry, I um, we were saying about the um, mentoring and stuff like that. What kind of skills have you, did you, were, what am I trying to say? Like what kind of things did you pick up from a mentor that would have been harder just looking online or something like that? Um, well, I found that direct feedback is probably the most valuable thing because um, you can learn something in so many different ways. But I found that going to, so we actually have an arrangement now where I've kind of been seeing them consistently for three years. And now I want to focus on mixing because my mixes has have always been rough over the years. And to be completely honest, this is something that almost every producer or composer struggles with throughout their entire career, but specifically at the beginning, because you have all these sounds that meld well together, they sound nice, but then balance and like actual uh, things being too sharp or too in your face or too in the back, too up front, etc. It's just, it's too much. So things can get muddy and, you know, I'm not going to go into frequency spectrum stuff, but basically I sucked at mixing and I was like, okay, can you please help me? Cause that, that's his specialty. Like he hips, he um, mixes a lot of hip hop producers that are local. Um, and he does a really, really good job. But I thought, look, I know you don't do video game mixing, but can you help me? And he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all the same. Like it's all the same frequency spectrum. And yeah. So, um, I think one of the things I like to do is go to him with songs that I have finished and ask him to help me figure out what it needs. So if it's, if there's too much low end, like if it's too bassy, if it's too bright, which means there's too many higher frequencies, you know, are there things that are fighting with each other and they're getting kind of, I guess, muddied out from each other and kind of like pushed to the side. Um, so he helps me identify those and then I actually go and do it. And then we have like a final review where he listens to it and he's like, okay, um, it's release ready. Or, you know, I would honestly change this because this frequency is way too harsh. You need to take an EQ and bell curve that down like 60 B all these different things. Um, I would say having a mentor to do that with is fantastic because you get to identify your core weaknesses and improve on them um, rather than just doing what you're comfortable with. So it kind of forces me to question what I'm really bad at and what I'm half decent at or what I'm good at and try to focus on not having too many holes. Like everyone's going to be bad at things. That's just, we're humans. It's, it's good to be bad at things. You can't be great at everything, but I like to identify the things that are really, really poor <laughs> and then try and do something about it. Yeah. I don't know, Dakota, if you find, um, I think each one of us has like blind spots and it's like without having someone like a mentor, you just keep, you, you can't see them. You can't see them until oh, I absolutely pointed out to you. So yeah, definitely. In, is there like, um, do people's styles come out of some of those blind, blind spots? Like, oh, uh, you know, like, I don't even know what, like if someone's like, oh, Dakota, uh, his mixing sounds like this. Um, but now I recognize trash. that. As, <laughs> well, I didn't want to tell you, but. You know, so we're going to name nah. the genre trash. Working on it. Yes. <laughs> but like, um, I guess, I guess you'd run the, I guess any kind of creative area runs that risk of, 
that feedback of being like, well, this is how you should mix something or this is how you should draw something. Um, and there's almost that, that, that could be your little niche area, couldn't it? Like, um, I, maybe- I think a good mentor though, like a really good mentor doesn't uh, pigeonhole you. They'll, they'll say, this is my experience. Uh, mm. They'll show you what you can do and they'll explain why it could be better. Um, but ideally, so uh, I don't know if you know Rick Rubin, who's like probably one of the uh, biggest record producers in the world. Um, most, well, not most music, but a lot of music you hear on the radio, Kanye West, Justin Timberlake, uh, Pharrell Williams, Kendrick Lamar. Um, he's made half of their songs. Yeah, um, right. And so a lot of, he does a lot of the beats and things like that in the background. But he, he's got some interviews on YouTube. Um, and he basically talks about how his goal as a producer is kind of like a mentor where you're trying to help people express their vision as mm. best as it can be expressed. So it's not, as a mentor, you're not putting your own vision over them. You're, you're kind of giving them tips and helping guiding them so they can express their own vision as strong as possible. Yeah, like how you said that, and like an outside ear will hear the gaps yep. that you're missing. Um, I remember watching a, a Springsteen documentary. He's he's like my idol. I love Springsteen. Yep. Yep. But um, <laughs> he was saying that on their album from 78, um, Darkness on the Edge of Town, um, they could not get the mixing right, um, right. because he was saying it, it's actually – I recommend this documentary to anyone, even if you're not in music. It's, it's, it's like – to me, I feel like it's um, music's uh, version of South Park's documentary um, Six Days to Air or Seven Days to Air, whichever one it is. That's that, that B12 shot to the arm, that inspiration of like, you know, it's people just raw going at it, trying to get what they're after. But um, this documentary, he's saying that um, uh, he was real hard on the band. He, he was never happy with any of the mixing. They put drums in the bathroom. They put him in an elevator shaft. They put him in a stairwell because he hated the drums. And then he just came to it at the end. He realized that all the sounds were bigger in his head. Um, he didn't realize the whole sonic range principle, basically, or like I guess one of the principles of if one instrument gets louder, then another instrument gets louder and another one, which is kind of what you were saying before, Dakota, about the mixing, like you need some kind of balance in there. And his, I guess, mentor is his producer, um, which I guess a lot of bands, it's their producer. And, and he was saying the same thing of just, it's his job to figure out what Bruce wants and um, hear it. And yeah, it, it kind of then becomes both their album, really, well, the whole band and then their album. Yeah. So do you, do you get a chance really to like listen to others and provide feedback? Like how is the, how, how, how are composers with that, with feedback with each other? Uh, <laughs> we're very supportive. Yeah, no, <laughs> if, if you join our community, we'll be very, very supportive. <laughs> no, genuinely we, we are. Um, I yep. think, I think it's important because I, I actually ask for feedback from a few of my producer and composer friends, even if say they're newer than I am, or if they're like 20 years in the field, because everybody has a different perspective. There might be something that somebody brand new picks up that I wouldn't have seen because I'm kind of blindsided by, you know, my few years of experience. And there's going to be stuff that obviously somebody who's very, very, very qualified is going to pick up that I would have had no idea about. So 
I, I think more people need to be more comfortable giving feedback, even if they're not the specialized type, you know, if, if they're not the one that has the degree or the years of experience or all the knowledge in the world, they can still, it doesn't nullify their opinion. It doesn't nullify how they view something. Everybody has a unique viewpoint. And I think it's important that people voice that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think though, when you're asking for feedback like that, you, it's good to be at that stage where you don't take it too personally as well. Because mm. I think one of the biggest lessons for me was um, way back in the day, I was sh showing a friend some of my music um, and it wasn't his taste. He was into uh, kind of hardcore music and I was doing kind of atmospheric ambient or something like that. Um, and I then later on found out he had showed it to one of his friends and they were laughing about it. And I'm like, oh. that, it cut me. Like, it was, it's fine. Like, me and that friend are all good now. It's all been sorted. But um, that, it hurt me for a little bit. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I'm not that good and all that kind of thing. Um, it was only later on I realized he's not even into this style of music. And um, if I were to make music like my idols um, to the standard where I thought that is amazing and showed, like him, for example, this music, he would probably still laugh about it because it's not his taste. Um, and so I agree with Dakota. It's really important to get feedback because people will give you extra perspectives as long as you keep in mind that they're not you and what they think is a good song isn't necessarily what you think is a good song. And so it's kind of the balancing act between those two bits. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think um, if, if you are actually seeking out feedback objectively, well, I guess feedback in general is subjective, but um, if you're trying to ask somebody who's qualified to give you feedback and to help you improve, like everybody wants feedback to help them improve. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a game developer or if you're a musician, you're getting that feedback to ultimately improve. If you're doing it just to self-validate, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons anyway. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's really productive to go out of your way to ask someone else to go out of their way. It just seems a little bit pointless. So... Mm -hmm. You know, you do have to take it with a grain of salt. Um, sometimes people can be more harsher than others. And whatever you do, don't ask your best friend for advice <laughs> unless you manage the expectation and know that there's going to be some bias there. Because if they're your number one fan, they're simply not going to see the faults or they're unwilling to tell you because they love you too much to hurt your feelings, which, yeah. you know, I... Um, I have a bad habit. So I, when I finish a song, I'll like go to my partner. I'm like, Hey, Hey, listen to this. What do you think of this? Right. And I'll like, look at him and I'm just like, you know, what do you, what do you think of that bit? He's just like, yeah, this is music. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, but I'm going to the wrong person for that feedback. You know what I mean? Like, um, my partner is very much about like pop music and, you know, just anything top forties and loves it. And to be honest, like, good because that music is produced like top tier quality, yeah. mm -hmm. but I wouldn't go to my partner for, you know, Oh, do you think this song is too bright? It's like, what the hell does that mean? I'm, I'm not seeing a song. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you mean? It's bright, like desaturate the color. It's, it's music. Um, yeah. So I guess knowing who to get feedback from for whatever purpose you are trying to, I guess, to fulfill. But hey, hey, Dakota, do you ever do the thing? I uh, know I'm guilty of this, where you get so excited about a song that you feel like, oh yeah, I've made it. I'm just gonna quickly post it online because I want that feedback. I want that like <laughs> that rush. And then like you do it, and then you come back the next day and you go, that was not finished. 
Yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy because when you, when you hear the same song over and over, like we're talking hours on the same like loop that we bridge into a whole composition or arrangement and you just get locked in. You're like, yeah, this is perfect. And then you can literally play any song on Spotify, especially mix wise. And it just sounds like rubbish and, and not like mm, mostly mix wise. And it depends if you mix while you produce, but uh, you're saying the song that you're making sounds rubbish compared to the Spotify song. Okay. Talking on my own, (laughs) talking on my own um, experience, generally like the songs that I get incredibly excited about, I'll listen to the next day with fresh ears. And because I've been hearing it, because those are the sessions I'll usually be in the door, which is a digital audio workstation, um, basically like FL studio, like John was talking about before or Ableton live, which is what I use. It's basically the software you use to write music. Um, I'll be in it for hours on that track because I'm trying to perfect it and perfect it. And then you get a level of ear fatigue and you think it sounds amazing. And then the next day you come in with fresh ears and you're just like, whoa, that bass is way too hot. Like I'm doing some Kendrick Lamar type stuff here. This is not okay. Um, yeah. Again, anyone listening though, who's into Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> I personally uh, actually like great. Kendrick Lamar stuff. Yeah. Be humble all day. The other thing too is uh, listening to your music on different sets of headphones or speakers oh, like referencing because uh, it's yeah yes. that's another thing that gets me a lot um because i produce in headphones which are pretty decent co- uh, quality so i can hear all the bass end and stuff like that dakota would be the same i assume you're using headphones yeah yep. yeah bear dynamic dt990 pro there you go oh, you have the ATXs, don't you do you have uh, ATXs? The, can you read it on the <laughs> Uh, i know they're audio, audio technica audio technica yeah i can't remember what number they are but um they're trusty old reliable um the, yeah. the, the problem is they're really good and you know if i post music on social media for example probably 80 percent of people will be listening to it on a phone through phone speakers which cuts off most of the bass end yeah <laughs> that's the um, worst and so everything that sounded really balanced and punchy in headphones suddenly sounds really tinny and whiny and the synths that were like just sharp enough just bright enough all of a sudden are way louder than everything else and hurt people's ears <laughs> and all that so i generally do um three tests when i really want a song to be proper and once my headphones producing once i pop, put it in my car stereo which has like this double bass setting that i turn up and so as the bass is cranked drive the window is not broken (laughs) do a few manies um then uh, then come back and then i'll listen on my phone as well um and so then for me that's generally a good three reference points where people might be listening to the stuff and that was verified by uh grant kirko he he was like that's a good idea yeah where, where did he say he listens to it I don't remember, but I, I don't know if he said it, but you, you told him that you, you do it in the car because you have the <laughs> the bass and he's like, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, I mean, when you think about it, most people do boost the bass. Like everybody, especially people that are into like pop and hip hop and stuff, they want that like doof, doof, like just disgusting amount of bass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's interesting that you reference off phones now, which like it, it makes sense because yes, everybody's listening to it on their phones, which kills us because we're spending all this time to get that you know, really crisp mix to be listened to on headphones and speakers and everything. And then bang, they just use it on their phone and it brings out these weird distorted frequencies yeah. and like yeah. these harsh resonances and stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm keen to see what, where speaker systems go in phones in the next like five, 10 years. I think that's the biggest efficiency. 
So They're definitely getting better. Um, I know you can listen to stuff off of like an iPad, and it's it's not bassy, but it's getting better. You've still got that low end. Yeah, it's like 400 hertz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but um, there's definitely like plugins people are making where they call like bass doublers, where basically if you have this real low end like sub bass or kick drum sound that may not come out in uh, a phone, it kind of replicates that sound but in a higher frequency, so it then comes out on phones. Yes, no, that's really smart. Um, actually, here's a little tidbit that my mentor actually taught me. Um, when doing sub bass, which is very big in music, especially like pop music and everything. Trap. Um, yeah, oh yes, definitely the trap. 808s. And even lo-fi hip hop though, like it's basically all sub bass. Um, mm. Anyway, low end sub is basically anything 100 hertz and lower, and we can only hear 30 hertz and higher. Um, mm. That range of like 30 to 100, generally you're sub is going to be somewhere in there but the minute you play it on a phone it's gone so what you can do is basically find the next harmonic up so follow the frequency spectrum and basically follow where it needs to be boosted and you can create a second chain basically duplicate it and then sort of like your octave pitching it up 12 semitones but anyway it's probably a bit nerdy um no, I, was anyway, gonna say, I was about to ask you about um are we like eqing this up but then i realized that we're, yeah yeah <laughs> let's so not get too geeky you could i guess in theory <laughs> just pitch it and double it that way but i think boosting it you have a little bit more control so i guess you would boost the eq on that track to give it a bit more presence on the phone because i i don't know the phone cutoff point but i'm sure it wouldn't be more than like 300 hertz it's like that I don't think you would hear anything lower than that. So, yeah. you guys, anyway, I've been doing that, and it's it's been helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty recent one, but it, it's it's good. Recommend. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on uh, this. Um, uh, we're talking before the podcast about Elon Musk. Um, <laughs> he's got that uh, oh, what's it called Neuralink that he's developing. Right, it's the implant that goes in your head, which is basically to connect us to the internet. And one of his key selling points for this thing is music broadcast straight into the into the brain so you're not hearing it through your ears it's just going straight how in. do you mix for that uh, yeah that's what yeah, i was yeah, wondering no. I mean, that raises so many questions because all right uh so music is sound right and sound is basically air or particles moving back and forth yeah in a wave yeah, yeah. um the reason we hear music is because that's the air hitting your eardrums and vibrating them back and forth Every single sound you hear is a different vibration. Hmm. Um, so him saying that it's going straight into your head, I'm not sure how he's saying this is working, well, whether it's generating it, electric pulses at the same frequency or something like that. Yeah, because you're saying because if uh, sound is the eardrums, the eardrums would then travel to the brain. So it's it would be skipping that. It would be saying what the eardrum would be interpreting. Yeah. Well, which, but well, that's right. The, that's the whole point, though, is it's interpretation. So your brain is conveying the vibration of your eardrums as these certain feelings, which are sounds that yeah. we hear. So, I mean, look, you could probably do it. You could plug straight into your head and do it. But I think by the point that we're plugging straight into our head, you're then you don't even need that kind of level of interpretation. You can create some crazy ass experiences that are way beyond <laughs> chucking on Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Well, would that would that circumvent the um, how you were saying, Dakota, that we can't hear lower than thirty? Is that because of the eardrum? Like, if it went straight to the brain, can we suddenly hear it? Yeah. Well, that that's interesting. I, I wonder what negative four hundred hertz sounds like. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can do um, some trippy stuff. Yeah, and and even like I think we can hear up to twenty kilohertz. Um, but yeah, like th- there's been talk for a while about what if we could hear above that and below. I, I don't know. Like, I, I almost can't even fathom what that would sound like. So I guess we'll just have to wait for the Neuralink. And um, John will have to start a business for mixing um, for the Neuralink. Mixing for your brain. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I'm learning mixing now because it's going to be OBE in like three years. <laughs> hey, Dakota, who do you reckon will have the first music video for your brain? <laughs> Oh, you too, uh, definitely. It's gonna be you won't even you ask too. for it. You, you too. Just It'll be you too. <laughs> Seriously, every time I get in my car, it's just oh, Bono just in my face. Yeah. yeah. Well, they did that iTunes. thing on iTunes back in the day yeah. with the new update. Everyone got the U2 album. Yeah. We have everyone uh, just... It's still on my phone. <laughs> it's so funny though, because it's like you got a free album and somehow it pissed off everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want that. We're That's just what... so entitled. Yeah. yeah. The memes of sticking your head out of the shower when you yeah. two randomly comes on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> no one deletes it off their phone. It's just yeah, still yeah. there in their library. Yeah. I managed yeah, to avoid Sean, it. to answer your question, I have no answer. <laughs> I have well, no I idea. think you two was a good one. I yeah, thought yeah, maybe yeah. BTS or someone. Um, I don't know. Who, who's the biggest artist in the world at the moment? I think, B- uh, I think BTS The Weeknd. The Weeknd? Yeah. I think I'm The Weeknd. Right yeah. After hours was really straight good. Straight to my brain. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. The weekend. <laughs> um, get, get some live bullying straight to your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some some pixel goodness. I've been <laughs> thinking about what this uh, environment's going to look like that we're all sitting in right now in, in pixel art. Mixing uh, boards everywhere. <laughs> it's legit going to be that. It's Excellent. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you all turn around, you'll see Costa playing cards behind us with the cleaner and we're all sitting at the console. <laughs> you got awesome. your instruments there, Dakota? Give him some references. I don't. I don't know if the audience can see the video, but I'm sure Alex can pixel art this. I'll do a print screen. Yeah. Print screen. What am I looking at? Uh, so this is my uh, launch key mini MK3. Um, if I leave it for ten minutes, it starts changing color, and that's the only reason I wanted to show you. <laughs> it just gets really pretty. <laughs> well, that that is in there. We're looking at it right now. I don't know what you're talking about. We've been looking at awesome. it the entire time. It's next Fantastic. to us. It's on the wall behind me or something. Yeah, it's on the wall behind you. That's it. That's it. Can, can you make my studio look a lot bigger? Hey. What? Uh, can, can you make my studio look a whole of a lot bigger than just my bedroom that I'm sitting in right now? Yeah, for some reason, you guys share a studio. It's this wood panel thing. We've got a giant mixing board. Oh, this yes. is fantastic. Feet up yeah. on the desk. No, I'm going to put a few platinum records on the back wall. Yeah, exactly. Some names. Actually, that is a excellent segue, John. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> I wanted to uh, talk to you because you both have put out albums on, well, John's put out an album and Dakota, you've put out two singles on almost a third soon on Spotify. Um, yeah. So, John, you've got Chasing the Leviathan and uh, Dakota, you have... Uh, New Delusion single and Driver's Seat Blues. And again, not not blowing smoke because you're my friends. These are amazing albums and singles. These are incredible. Um, so congrats, guys. Like, if nothing else, you should be so happy for that. That's a big achievement. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, go check out Dakota stuff because 
Um, no, I was going to say that about you. Stop. <laughs> no, 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 Stop no. it. No, I tell you why. Because because um, when we're playing Dakota, we're playing some of your music at the last unwind uh, gathering. Um, I had someone say to me, they're "Like, oh, cool. Whose music is this?" I'm like, "This is Dakota." They're like, "But who's singing?" I'm like, "That's Dakota." They're like, "No way." Yeah. <laughs> seriously, that's been most people's. I think because most of us in the games audio community make instrumental music because we can't sing. So you've come <laughs> and you've actually, you're a great singer and you're making Thank this you. pop music as well. So if anyone's into uh, music with vocals, yeah, go check out. Uh, is it, it's under Dakota uh, Sovet? So it's, um, I guess the stuff that I'm kind of doing independent pop on is uh, Coda Suave. So K-O-D-A and then Suave. Just, I guess that's my producer alias. I, I don't know. I was tossing it up when I got it, but so far so good. Um, and then um, I'll be releasing my own video game music in under my actual name, Dakota Sauvet. Uh I have two EPs in the pipeline, like written, recorded, mixed, ready to release. I, I spent like the last three years not releasing anything. So now I guess it's a good problem to have. I have this like backlog of all this stuff I want to get out there, but I cannot recommend if you have anything, this goes for games, music, just release it. Like, don't hang on to it and play it to yourself like a weirdo. Like, go <laughs> and get it out there. It's never going to be perfect, and that should be celebrated. So, definitely do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. The yeah, new delusion. As John was saying, when when the singing kicked in, I was like, yeah, surely this is is it him? Is it yeah? And and it was, and it it went straight into my um, uh, video game playlist because it uh, I have a, a playlist on Spotify called Game and Chill, and it's either video game music or game music similar to video game stuff, but it's just a good having the background and no, nah, it's, it's really great. So uh, are these both your albums and singles? Are they exclusive Spotify? Are they available elsewhere? No, they're, they're available on all streaming platforms. I um, you'll find that most people who release stuff nowadays have it across all platforms because you have to have a digital distributor. Um, so I use DistroKid. A lot of people use like TuneCore and CD Baby. Yeah, um, John, who you use? As well. DistroKid. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get some goodies too. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think DistroKid is a yearly fee and then you can just infinite uploads or whatever. Yeah. Uh, whereas some of the others are also pretty cheap considering, but it's then cost per upload or whatever. So it really depends on how much music you make and... I think one thing I like is that, you know, I can sign up to it and then I just don't even have to think about how much music I'm going to make for the year. I can just do it and know that I can upload it across all platforms. So Yeah, it gives you some peace of mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because we use, uh, we, we've got a similar one, I guess, for, for podcasting as well. So they go out into a bunch, but um, lately now we're just saying, uh, just go to the Spotify because yeah. it's too hard to, to list the links. And um, I don't know, I found that, I, I just have a feeling that if I, if I just sent the link to the platform we use, then someone's gonna then gotta go out and do it. That's what made me think. I wonder if it was yours was exclusive to Spotify or if it was just the other ones. But it's just an easier way just to share the link. It's like just look on Spotify. No, if and if um, if nobody has like uh, sorry, if if somebody doesn't have access to some kind of streaming service, they can just look it up on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it's mm. free. Like I don't think they charge for that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's always an option. Yeah, John, I, I also if, put my stuff on YouTube on my own channel as well. Um, yeah, it was gonna just ask. just because. Awesome. So I mean, so through DistroKid, it gets put on YouTube Music. Um, I'm pretty sure there's an option oh, where you cool. can actually get it put to YouTube as well um, for a small extra fee. But I I have my own uh, YouTube channel called John Osman Soundworlds. Uh, Soundworlds being my music business. Um, 
that I basically upload to myself. And it's because that way I can do my own visuals for it, kind of like what Coda does. But I, I do, um, so some of the tracks I do, I try to make a bit of backstory around it. Um, I've always been into that kind of thing. Um, and to this day, YouTube has been the best medium I've found for putting that stuff up. Um, because, I mean, people may not definitely read it, but there's a higher chance of them reading it than in a description on uh, SoundCloud. Mm. Um, Spotify, you can't even put a description. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you can make yeah. a very short music video if you're one of the chosen top musicians, I think it is. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So, oh, that yeah. little 10-second loop thing or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, because your album, Chasing Leviathan, uh, let me start that again, <clears throat> Chasing the Leviathan, um, you were explaining that's like a concept album. Yeah, so I really get into the idea of concept albums. I don't know, it's just something, I, it really is the idea of it that I love. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, just that I, I've always been into kind of storytelling, um, like films and games that are narrative driven. And, and also, um, one thing I really like about albums is that they can be a complete package. Um, and so, um, I mean, going very briefly into compositional techniques, um, one thing you can do is use a theme or a motif, which is basically where you have a melody or a musical pattern that you then repeat in other contexts in different areas. And in theory, each time you repeat it in a new area, it kind of makes it stronger. Um, and so one cool thing about having a concept album is that, you know, you can have a theme that reappears in multiple tracks. And so as the person goes through the journey of the story of the album, then hopefully like it increases that kind of emotional payoff, um, each time they hear it. Um, and so for example, when chasing the Leviathan, the very first track introduces the theme, I then use it at various points through different, uh, songs. And then the very last song pretty much drives that theme home. But then once you hear it once, then it repeats it, but then it has an extra harmony over the top of it, which is something that movies often do um, to kind of increase that payoff. So I can say all that in theory, you know, go out and listen to it yourself. It may or may not work. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was the thought behind it. So, um, yeah. yeah. And something we talked about once, you and I, over dinner was um, mm-hmm. uh, inter- having other people interpret what your yeah. concept album's about because yeah. I had a totally different because I guess I was one of the, the the suckers that didn't read the description I guess but I had a totally different interpretation as to what it was like I could see it in my head and then you were like oh that's yeah, interesting and, <laughs> look and that's fine and it, it's look it's something that's uh been frustrating as I guess any artist trying to express something but at the same time it's not like a people don't get my art kind of thing it's like <laughs> it's up to me to try and express what I'm trying to express. And it's just uh, that, you know, I, because I'm not a singer and I can't do lyrics like that unless I get another singer in when I get Dakota on one of my tracks. Um, <laughs> then uh, Let's do it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> then, you know, I'm trying to find other ways to express it. Um, but I think, you know, I've, I've found when I get into music a lot, um, I find if I really get into a musician, I will then re-listen and re-listen to the thing and I'll like look into their backstory and I'll like try and find out what the track's about. And so it's kind of like, it's at least there for people who like it enough to then look further into it. Um, And I think for me, I've now found like a happy medium where it's like, look, it's about 
stuff that's meaningful to me and I have different life experiences to other people and that's totally fine. If they listen to it and they get something that's meaningful to them, if it's totally different, well, that's still everyone's winning. Awesome. Um, and if they're interested enough to then read it and try and understand it, then that's even better. So, you know, that's mm. what's the best thing you can do with art, I guess. Yeah, that's a really cool interpretation. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Is that so it's, would you agree with that, Dakota, with uh, your tracks? Yeah. Um, I So the two EPs I'm doing for uh, VGM Music upcoming are two concept albums as well. So I've definitely started to incorporate that a bit more. Um, it's sort of a singles market if you're doing um, like pop or hip-hop albums and music in general. So you kind of want to release singles rather than albums unless you're sort of the top five percent um that's just for exposure and for people to kind of have you at the forefront of their mind and actually want to listen to your stuff that's what i found and through research and everything but i think themed albums and everything really go further like john was saying like it kind of takes you on a journey that you're trying to portray to someone like music in general any song that you make is always there to take the listener on some sort of journey right it could be over the top ridiculousness or it could be a very serious song but like John was saying, sometimes people might take it a different way than you're trying to uh, portray. Like, for instance, you might write a song that's super depressing and is about, like, you know, grieving and death and mourning and stuff. And then someone might roll up to the party and be like, yeah, this is my turn up song. And it's <laughs> like, uh, not what I intended, guys, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because there's a band from Iceland I really like called Sigur Ross which do this kind of ambient post-rock, I think they call it. And because they sing, half their songs are in Icelandic, I can't understand what they're saying. And there's Perfect. Song, there, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> exactly. There was this song that I would listen to and I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like the vibes are kind of not relaxed, but kind of like this real moody, but kind of deep, meaningful kind of thing. Um, but it, it made me feel good about life. And then I went and translated the lyrics and it was like the most depressing thing I had ever read in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and it literally ruined the song for me. So, oh, so sometimes interpreting it your own way is actually better than whatever the artist yeah. portrayed. So. There's definitely, I, I've got songs in my um, uh, playlists that I just, I, li I go into it with the music first. Like I'm not listening to the lyrics. And even if they're in English, I don't listen to any songs that aren't in English. And even the ones, I'm not listening to the words. And there's a band from the, I think they're the 80s, like a heavy punk band called um, Suicidal Tendencies. And like their lyrics, are some of the songs in the lyrics, I'm like, oh, these are horrible. But like the music's just so groovy and they're just so good. And like, uh, was another one is obscure band called butter or yeah i think butter butter or wait or butter and uh, another one like the lyrics are just so out there and would not put pen to paper but it, the music's just so groovy <laughs> love a good parody album too like just oh, you know lonely yeah. island type stuff and yeah. yeah just ridiculous over the top yeah yeah it's fun you know music's meant to be you you listen to it to i guess take it in however you want or to suit a mood or to try and explain something to someone, you know, who knows M music's like any art. It's just, it, it is what it is. And that's, that's what it is. Mm. Um, but I love when people take it that step further and they just take something that's already existing and is fantastic and just destroy it. Like absolutely <laughs> destroy it, but in the best ways. Yeah. 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 
Um, and John, you have a new, uh, as you, you call it, a radio show um, on YouTube called Raccoon Cafe Media. Ra- Raccoon Media Cafe. Raccoon That's Media right. Cafe. I, Sorry, I almost, I almost slipped up saying it when I actually recorded the first episode. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I went yeah. through a few names <laughs> trying to figure it out. But yeah, anyway, settled on Raccoon Media Cafe. Um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, so the first episode of that was released on Saturday, Saturday morning. Um, and the whole idea behind that is... So um, no, number one is um, I've found being involved in the Adelaide game developer community and meeting people like Dakota and yourself, Alex, it's inspirational, right? It's, it's really cool to see other creatives in the community making stuff and get to know them. And it kind of brings the whole inspiration of art to life for me. And I think for other people too, especially coming out of like pandemic situation where everyone's locked inside and stuff like that. And so um, the other thing as well is I think here in South Australia, um, we're very lucky that we, or especially with pandemic, uh, we've been one of the lucky places on earth. Um, but also uh, people, other Australian states have often said things like South Australia is a backwater. Don't go there. <laughs> there's nothing there. People yeah. here move away saying there's nothing here. And I've like, I've just seen now there is a lot here. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on through the media industry, through video games. And so the whole idea of the radio show is just to share what people are creating here um, in the media community, um, just to show there is a lot happening here. And it's not necessarily uh, final release products because you'll probably hear about them anyway, but it's more trying to build up that kind of sense of there is art happening around you kind of thing. So, um, And the whole, uh, yeah, Raccoon Media Cafe um, kind of stems from a few ideas I've had over the years, but I really like the idea of having like a radio show that makes you feel like you're in a cafe. And the whole raccoon bit was raccoons are just an awesome mascot. So they're so cool. <laughs> raccoons yeah. really are so cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, but if you haven't seen it yet, it's worth checking out, not because I made it, but just because um, there is a lot of cool Ken art there. It is. <laughs> yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also not because I'm on that. That's yeah. 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 Like Alex, you, need, you and also, need to say it. And we reference live balloons right. on there. Yeah. And we're all just sharing each other's stuff, which just is great. Watch that's it. what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's great having that community. Um, mm. But uh, Vishnu, who did the the artwork for it, um, mm. I was totally blown away by that. Um, he's so good. He's yeah, great. He's, he really is. He went above and beyond. Um, I, I gave him this brief. Um, where basically I tried to get him the idea of what the cafe should look like, but it was pretty much a Frankenstein Photoshop of photos from other cafes. Yeah. And he took it and he just made it into something that is pretty and it actually looks like it should be a place. And I'm so happy. So <laughs> if for nothing else, just go and look at his artworks. <laughs> yeah. I didn't notice until the second time around that Adelaide's in the background as well. Like you're on the the River Torrens. Yeah, that yeah. that level of detail is awesome. Oh, yeah. by the way, it's underscore Twingy T W I N J I. If you yeah. want to check out Vishnu's yeah. art, yeah, so really good. Vishnu's art. Yeah, he's doing. He's pumping out some incredible stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, the whole thing about Adelaide being in the background is. Um, so I mean, we could have tried and make the show like a Australia wide or a global audience, but I think. Again, it's coming back to who's around you, what creatives mm-hmm. are around you, what's been created around you. And um, so I'm in Adelaide, so I can make this one set in Adelaide. But, you know, who knows if someone wants to do 
one for their own state or whatever eventually. <clears throat> they have to pick their own um, animal though. The Kidna Media Cafe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if it gets franchised or anything like that. <clears throat> but that's the whole idea is that it's like meant to be set whatever state you're in kind of thing. So, And I'm in Adelaide, so it's in Adelaide. That's really cool. Awesome. No, I, I'm really glad you did that. Like, I think it's really neat to be able to see all the talent, especially locally, because you're right, we do get a bad rap in Adelaide, which I think is just poor. Like, I, I don't think we deserve it, but of course, biased again. But there are <laughs> metrics that do help the game dev community, which is cool. I saw this on LinkedIn the other day, and apparently, um, I don't know if it's the size of the game industry or if it's the income that we provide in that industry, but we literally bring in the same amount of... Um, income or whatever it is as sydney as new south wales so i think wow. it's like 20 percent of all australia wow. i think perth is like four percent brisbane's like a few percent melbourne of course is like 40 percent. but i mean melbourne international games week what do you expect yeah yeah, yeah. so then, we're up there which yeah. is really really empowering to be able to say so it's well cool. that's right and, and it's not about like being better than the other states because it's awesome they're doing it it's just, unless it's sport it's just <laughs> yeah well, that's right um but it's just I, I think the whole mentality that there's nothing here in south australia is wrong um and i mean dakota you're from overseas i, I only noticed it when i went overseas and came back i was like we are very lucky with what we've got oh here, yes so. i mean four weeks annual leave across australia in general <laughs> like yeah. us americans typically just kind of live to work and work to live and yeah i mean the situation over there right now is terrible and has been for the last year mm. luckily my family and everything is safe but it's it's kind of i'm very fortunate that i moved when i did i gotta say and australia is a great place to live so especially adelaide that's it we we avoid i guess uh if there's a flip side to people saying oh nothing goes on goes on down here it's we avoid a lot of trouble yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true <laughs> yeah um but yeah it's a yeah there's so many great things about that format of what you're doing like um you know, having it on a Saturday, um, you know, around just before um, Adam Dowley does the screenshot Saturday. So, like, Saturday becomes a good um, – if I'm working full-time, like um, I know you do, Dakota, that I can then just see a quick summary of what's going on, what do I need to know about. Um, we have our events, you know, like Unwind and stuff like that. We can catch up, but it's a good – here's what's going on and it's produced in a way – that's you know it's professional it, it looks clean and um the other thing is i love that you use the word radio because it's got that old school vibe to it and and you i'm sure the listeners can hear now is you have that old school radio kind of like just this calm voice <laughs> on it like that five double a kind of <laughs> like, i'll take i'll take that as a compliment <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, no, it's a compliment. <laughs> no it's it's um should i start like, speaking like all right, welcome to Raccoon Media Cafe. This is your host, John Ostman, here Some on this Saturday morning. I love it. I need it. I'm particularly impressed by the faces you were making while you did that. I know nobody can see it, but it was fantastic. Uh, Alex is going to have to animate this. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, see, that's the problem is for this. So, uh, other podcasts I've done in the past, I've never shown my face. So, I could make any face I needed to to make the sound that I needed yeah. to make. But now you can actually see me. So, yeah, that's why it's it. not live, though. So, I can edit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, that's great. Um, uh, I was going to ask you something about the cafe and oh yeah what is your so how do you do people get in contact with you um have you been getting in contact with people about getting work 
up there? How do people? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. So, I mean, one episode in and now starting the second episode, I've been contacting people, but I am more than happy for people to contact me. Um, I am in the process of setting up an email address for it all. Um, so the best place to contact me at the moment is through my music business, which is contact at soundworlds.com.au. Um, if you live in South Australia and you're part of the video game or media community, you know, whether you're a working professional or you just like hanging around it, if you're making anything, send it through, send me a link, um, send me a little description of uh, what it's about and send me a uh, profile picture of yourself. Uh, one reason I put the profile pictures is again, to help it feel like these are real people around you making mm. it. Um, and, you know, like, unfortunately I won't be able to put on everyone's stuff. Um, but if I get it sent through, then I have it there as a backlog. And then when it finds, when I find the right episode to put it on, then yeah, we'll hopefully put it on and I'll let you know if I'm putting it on, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff. Um, I guess one thing before we uh, wrap up is we got to hear the story. Dakota asked John, what's with the, the new haircut? <laughs> Anyone watching, uh, that's why you notice the pixels are very more cropped yeah. to his head this time around. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, because you can compare it to the Grant Kirkhope episode where yeah, I got the little, little tough thing going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so I should probably re-ask. John, dot, 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 dot. <laughs> yes, Dakota. You got a haircut. Dot, 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 dot. Oh, you noticed. Wow. I did. Thank, thank you. Also a bit so, of a beard um, going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've got a, a closer shave haircut at the moment. Uh, the story was I wanted something different and I went to Barber Boys uh, last week and I went in there and uh, I think it was uh, they had a fleet of like the four uh, young guys cutting hair there and they had their like boss standing nearby kind of telling them what to do and stuff like that and uh, one of the young guys came and cut my hair and he's like, all right, so what do you want? Um, and now I had, my hair was messy and sort of longish um, at the time. And I said, well, I don't know. I want a skin tight fade and I want to go a five on top. Cause I thought five was what I got last time. I now know that's not what I got last time. So <laughs> um, anyway, so the guy's like, are oh, you, sh- you sure? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, it's too late to turn back now. I don't, I don't want to like hesitate. <laughs> so it's like, all right, all right, we'll do it. And then he's like, have you done this before? And again, like, I don't want to hesitate. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I've done this before. And so he took the shaver and he did a strip down the, the center of my head. So I kind of looked <laughs> like a clown or something like that. And he stopped and he went, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> well, you're stuck now. Yeah, it's like, it's like too late now, man. Are you going to like glue it back on? So, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, he ended up, yeah, so I stuck with it. And they actually ended up doing a good job, I think. So um, Yeah, it looks solid. I, I'm still definitely going back to Barber Boys. So Was uh, that just for the free beer? I guarantee it's a place that gives you free beer, right? Sure. Yeah. It's one of those barber shops. Oh, if it is, I haven't been told about this. All right, oh, really? I yeah. swear it's like I just a go new there thing. for the haircuts, you know. <laughs> you have to you have to like go to a bespoke barber shop and get like a free beer when you walk in now and be one of the boys. It's very boys, one of the boys. strange. But with the, with the know, fake bricks have, on the wall. Do they just have like the beer sitting in front of you? When you're there, is that no? I think I think it's like you know all about the experience and stuff, so they can validate charging you eighty dollars per haircut. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm cheap, so I just shave mine. Plus, it's yeah. nice and easy. Oh, <laughs> so you do yours Crop. yourself, Dakota? 
yeah, yeah, I'll get my partner to line up my neck for me because sometimes that gets a bit spastic. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know cool. if you've seen, uh, just quickly, uh, at the Pirate Life Brewery, there's in there, there is a, I'm pretty sure it's a hairdresser slash tattoo salon. <laughs> so you, oh, just, uh, you yes. can go in. It's I a brewery. So you go it. in, you start drinking, and then you make bad decisions. And- <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to sign a waiver? I don't know. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> where, where is this at? Uh, in Port Adelaide, the Pirate Life Brewery. Oh, Robbie's Chop Shop. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. That's the um, new- I'm pretty they- sure they give you beer. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I'm sure yeah. they would. <laughs> what, if we, what if we don't like beer? What if we like cider? Probably uh, don't get a Pirate Life. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a toxic masculinity joke in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah so, it feels yeah. like. I'm willing to dish it out because I think that's stupid. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't drink beer. But cider's better to, anyway. I'm with you. Cider Hell, I'll get a headrest yeah. if it gives me free cruises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some UDLs. As long as that watermelon flavored. <laughs> I'm American, uh, so I'm more of a boxed wine fan. Boxed uh, wine. Oh, yuck. So I've been good over here. They call back South goons. Australians. <laughs> oh, yeah, goon sacks. Goon sack. You got to do it on the lawn, on the, uh, the hill's hoist. <laughs> that's right. Was it, was it called Goon of Fortune? Goon of Fortune, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's so surely not a thing. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. It's, it's legitimately a thing. You, so, you I mean, I've it. never played it. Of course, oh like, Alex God. and I have never played it because we're, Absolutely we're not. innocent boys. Absolutely. Um, but it was actually one of my uni lecturers that told me about that. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> The class is real, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right boys thank you so much for jumping on it was uh, sorry, awesome been a to pleasure. finally do this yeah a lot of fun thank you very much for having us where can uh one last time we'll, we'll go around starting with john where can people reach out to you where can uh they find out about what you're doing good question um i think twitter is probably the best entry point for most of what i do uh so if you go to twitter and search john ostman um uh, you'll find me um Osman O-E-S-T-M-A-N-N. Um yeah. And if you go through there you'll find Dakota stuff as well, hopefully. <laughs> Dakota, <laughs> how do we get to yours? <laughs> yeah. Um good. so you can go to my website, just my portfolio website. So ww.dakotasauve, D-A-K-O-T-A-S-A-U-V-E. I just say that because I have a strange name. But anyway. Um yeah, otherwise uh, at Coda Suave on Instagram. Uh, that's probably my preferred place. I, I find nowadays I'm more visual than, yeah, I, I just, I don't understand Twitter. I'm trying to understand <laughs> Twitter. I know that's where like all the game developers hang out and stuff, but yeah, definitely Instagram is the preferred. Um, yeah. And hopefully at the next AGD unwind, be able to meet some people as well. So yeah, yeah always well, a yeah. good time. Um, actually, if you are in South Australia and, um, you're into games or game dev, I would recommend joining the Adelaide Game Developers Discord, which is where you'll hear about these unwinds and also everything else that's going on. Um, mm. I think both Dakota and myself are pretty active there as well. So. Yeah, and I think you can access that at Kathy's website, right? Yeah, so Ka- Kathy Smart. Kathy Smart. Kathy Smart Game Designer, Smart game designer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's where I found it. Yeah, yeah Google Kathy Smart video game. You'll find it there, the link yeah. in there. Oh, there's the Facebook group too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's the there's AG- a lot going on. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch Adelaide. of Adelaide. Adelaide, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is like in that pursuit of um, uh, wanting to be like the other states, we're kind of surpassing him in a bit of this stuff. Like talking to you know some people from Sydney and stuff like that. One of the benefits we got is we're so small. Is that everyone seems to know each other. Where Sydney's so spread out, and there's not like a centralized group. Apparently, I, that could be wrong. But um, someone from Sydney said it's not as 
it's not as like homey as what you would think it is or something like that. So we've we've definitely got that going for us. Plus, like way affordable compared to Sydney, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Melbourne. So, yeah, this is true. All right, boys. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah, no cheers, Alex. See you around. See you later, See you, guys. See you guys. Bye. Bye.